Welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Noga, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. Today, I am so excited to bring to you definitely one of my favorite people on social media and someone that I've really enjoyed connecting with in person and just am so inspired by, and that is Sula Chamberlain. So Sula Chamberlain is an amazing and inspirational influencer in the space of healthy whole food and low-tox living. She is the owner of, I think, probably one of the only legitimately 100% healthy cafes in Australia, which is called Broth Bar and Larder. And strap in because today's episode is absolutely inspirational, just the passion that Sula exudes is infectious um, and she, you know, really shares her own personal experiences with various health crises and and her own sort of educational journey around healing these and then how she has created or, or sort of channeled that passion into all of these amazing businesses Star Anise Organic, uh, her broth bar and larder and her essential oils business. So we cover all sorts of topics from the low-tox living through to some mould exposure experience for her through to healthy parenting and what to feed our children and topics around fertility and ancestral living and eating. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did and that it provides you with some amazing insights. Okay. Hi, Sula. Hi there. (laughs) Um, I wanted to start out by asking you a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into this whole low-tox, whole foods living and a little bit kind of what's your past life? What were you doing in your former life before? Yeah, great question. So... I have always had a passion or interest in health and wellness, but didn't end up pursuing it until later in my life. So I actually started out um, doing commerce law and won the university medal for commerce law and worked as a lawyer in a top tier law firm for, and I worked as a lawyer for 10 years before I had kids. And then it was only after I had kids that I pursued my passion for health and wellness and really was catapulted onto that path like most people through a series of health crises um, that myself and my family were undergoing. So even though from a young age I had this really strong notion that the food that we eat and the way we treat our bodies must surely impact our health and I never really ascribed to the view that a calorie is a calorie. I always thought there must be something more than that. Yeah, it wasn't until I started suffering a number of you know health crises that I started to really explore diet and other lifestyle factors. And just like anything, one door will open up another door, which will open up another door. So I, in my 20s, um, my partner and I were very much interested in Tibetan Buddhism. 
and he decided to become a vegetarian and I decided to decided to join him on that path because I thought that would be a healthier option. The government very much steers us towards a low fat, high grain diet. So I thought we would be super healthy um, as vegetarians, but when our bodies were increasingly falling apart, I started to question that approach. So I primarily labored with osteoskeletal issues. So I broke bones very easily. So I had really tight ropey muscles, creaky joints, chronic neck and back pain, biweekly osteo appointments. Mm. I also was suffering constipation. I stopped ovulating. I had cystic acne. I became legally blind. My hair was falling out a lot on my head, eyebrows and eyelashes. My partner, um, my ex-husband or my partner at the time was suffering severe mental depression and our little baby boy at 11 months ended up in hospital with round and rounds of antibiotics and bronchial pneumonia and as I said at that time we were eating an all organic vegetarian diet um, and I started to question that approach so that's when I came across my naturopath who introduced me to the works of Dr. Weston A. Price and the power of nutrient-dense traditional whole foods and I resisted and resisted and resisted for a whole year and then Sally Fallon came out to Australia uh, in 2008 and I listened to a whole day lecture of her and I was nine weeks pregnant with my second and I went straight from that lecture theater to a butcher um, and within a matter of months if not weeks uh, we just radically altered our diet and our health so all my health issues miraculously started clearing up and I just for the first time felt strong and vital and robust and my little baby boy was never sick again and my mm. husband went on to you know performing Ironman competitions and coming in the top five percent of his age and kicked all these antidepressants all just through changing our diet and then of course you know that foundation of health opened up another foundation of health and then we got onto you know what I've articulated to be the eight foundations of health so health is dependent upon what we eat nutrition what we drink hydration how we move um, how we sleep our mindset how and what we breathe um, fun playing connection so connection with ourselves and others and the environment which we spend most of our time with you know in nature or indoor so these eight foundations of health and really dived into the role that these lifestyle choices or environmental factors or epigenetic factors switch our genes on and off Mm -hmm. for better or for worse and the more I learned about our food and farming system the more I felt just really passionate about educating the public and just being on this really serious mission to bring nutrient-dense traditional whole foods back to the modern table and more broadly than that to empower people to lead less toxic more nourishing lives so that we can be the best version of ourselves because why else are we here on this planet if it's not to be the best version of ourselves so i never really set out to start a business it was just more it came starting organic whole foods was just really born out of a desire to heal myself and my family and if you think back in sydney 12 years ago no one was making and selling bone broth or organic chicken liver pate or um, unpasteurized sauerkraut or super crispy activated nuts or raw treats or without, without sugar and um, you know slow cooked casseroles so desperation bred creativity I just had to start making this food myself mm. to start nourishing myself and, and my family and then persistent friends insisted on buying my food and then through word of mouth it was friends and friends who came knocking at my door and the circle just kept expanding and expanding and expanding until one mother's helper turned into 16 over the years (laughs) and then um, I opened up 
uh, the universe gave me a bit of a shove and I opened up Sydney's first dedicated broth bar called Broth Bar and Lighter in Bronte four, nearly four years ago. Um, and that's now the home of Star Anise Organic Whole Foods. Um, and um, along the path, you know, women were approaching me saying, Can, what's so special about this food? Can you teach us how to make it? So then the cooking classes started because I felt it was very much my honour and privilege and duty to empower women to make this food themselves. And then along the course, people were like, I could see they were so confused with all the conflicting information mm, out there, okay. wanted to take their health to a, a, another level, but didn't have the tools and resources to do so. So then I sat down with people in one-on-one health coaching sessions and bundled up everything I learned over 20 years into a consultant and comprehensive pack and that's when I educate people on what I call the fundamentals of robust nutrition and that's how the health coaching started um, and then you know the cooking classes were going on every week in the background and then they got converted into online courses for those who couldn't make it to Sydney classes and then my low-tox workshops um, started because I felt that we can't just um, start and end with food it's also what we're putting on our skin and breathing into our lungs because I found that people were so meticulous with what they were eating but yet just Mm. lathering on all the conventional Mm. shampoo condition and it's like hey we've got to think of health holistically it's not just dietary toxins there's environmental toxins and managing stress so that's how in the past few years in addition to focusing on food I'm also focusing on kicking the environmental toxins in our house and just really helping people healthy swap in a really positive and empowering way Mm. without the overwhelm Mm. so that's how it all kind of started amazing and I feel like that that low tox living and and the healthy swaps that you're referring to that's the next step for so many people now Mm. I'm not saying that the food education part is over it's certainly not but I feel like a lot of people have that part now yeah and and but they're still completely unaware of all of the toxins that are in their home every exactly. day. And they're you, blissfully unaware. Exactly. And then but once you know, you can't unknow. Mm-hmm. So that's why yes. education is so important and people don't appreciate that our greatest exposure to environmental toxicity is in our home. Mm. So most people when they think of environmental toxins, they think of Chernobyl and oil spills mm. and big power stations emitting EMR and while those things are disastrous, it's the hundred and one little things that you're doing totally. in your mm. home every yeah. day. Like, you know, the average woman applies hundreds of chemicals to her body, you know, every single day. Um, And she's just ignorant and oblivious to it because we're labouring under the assumption that if something is ubiquitous in society Mm. and allowed to be sold on a shelf, then surely it must be safe. So, you know, I used to have these arguments with my mum where she used to say, but if it was really that bad, Sula, surely the government wouldn't allow it to be sold on the shelf. But sadly, it's about money making money. and profit, and it's got it's you know buyer beware, caveat emptor. We have to educate ourselves yes. on what we're putting in and on our body. And yes. just because something's allowed to be sold doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. just because something's sold in a health food store or an organic store or says certified organic on it doesn't necessarily yes. mean it's safe to eat as well. Yes. So it's all about educating. The public and it's really sad that we live in a world where we can't just treat all food as being real food and all mm. things um, designed for personal care and, and cleaning as safe you know sadly it's it's we don't live in that world anymore no we definitely don't that's amazing so sort of keeping in that vein of toxins something that's come into our realm of consciousness more and more in the last few years it seems is toxic mold exposure yeah. And, you know, I think there's 
a lot of people that aren't even really aware of this, mm. but I believe that you have had some experience yes. with this personally and yeah. then professionally. We'd love you to share yeah. your experience. Yeah, so the universe has a way of every so often um, throwing a curveball into your life and shining the light on those foundations of health that you thought you were maintaining but in fact were neglecting and that's what happened to me in 2016 where the universe shone a very uh, bright torch um, onto the environment where my children and I were spending most of our time and what we were breathing in so in 2016 my kids and I um, who were at that time the perfect picture of health you know we'd been you know eating you know really a solid nutrient nutritional whole foods diet really dialed in these lifestyle factors out of the blue we got sick the three of us um and that was really unusual for us because um we rarely if ever got sick and if we did get sick we'd bounce back within 24 hours and days turned into weeks which turned into months and it was mostly respiratory issues so we were coughing Mm -hmm. up a cup of mucus a day and we just couldn't keep up with buying tissues like you know blowing our nose and you know the blowing got so bad at one point i burst my eardrum Mm. and you know my nose was red raw and the three of us were at the time from a single mum were co-sleeping in my bedroom and the sicker we got um i just thought well, we'll sleep more and the more we slept up to 10 12 hours a day the sicker we got so it turned to this really weird cycle and my naturopath was bamboozled by and she's like well i don't know what's going on because you know your diet's so clean and you know you've kicked all the you know environmental toxins and what you're putting on your body is so clean well, i don't know what is going on and then one day i opened up the far wardrobe of um far drawer of my wardrobe which i never opened up because it's got stuff from a previous lifetime like you know corporate suits and luggage and that i never use and i opened it up and the whole thing was riddled with mold and I was Shocking. just, and this was like meters from the bed that we were spending like, you know, eight to 10 hours a day breathing mm-hmm. in. And I called up my naturopath and I said, this is all covered in mold. Do you think that's got anything to do with our respiratory issues? And she said, bingo, you found it. That is it. Mold is toxic to everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And look, to be honest, I would noticed a bit of mold over the years in my home, but mm-hmm. I never really appreciated mm-hmm. how toxic it could be because I thought, well, it grows naturally. So yeah. how toxic really could it be? And, you know, what's a bit of mold? You yeah. know, it's okay. You know, um, and so at that time, nobody was writing or blogging about mold in Sydney in 2016. It was kind of like uncharted territory. And I freaked out, didn't know what to do, you know, pulled together as many people as I knew, like my health professionals. And, you know, finally, you know, spent literally tens and tens of thousands of dollars in um, fixing the drainage problem in my house because we we're on a sloping block. Water would just pool right under the house, behind the wardrobe and the rising mm-hmm. dance. So when we pulled the wardrobe out, it was just like, you know, so just riddled with mold. And wow. Sydney so, is so And Sydney damp. is so damp. Sydney is rife mold. with mold. We're a bit right. lucky here. Yeah, in Perth yeah. it's dry. Mm-hmm. So it's a big problem in Sydney because we're sitting on this water shelf and certain suburbs totally. more than others are more rife with it. Mm. And so I started, you know, after we fixed our house and started at the tail end of my recovery from mold, um, started blogging about mold. And my first mold blog went viral, for want of a better word, mm. all around the world with hundreds of thousands of hits. And somebody in France contacted me 
and said, you know, I really encourage you to start using the Thieves essential oil. And I just thought, okay, what's this Thieves? You know, what's that going to do? Even though I've been dabbling in essential oils, um, I didn't really take them that seriously. Just thought something you burn in your house to smell nice. And they just, you know, use them as perfumes and that was it. But I was really curious as to how it got its name and started researching researching Thieves and the company that made it and was really blown away by what I found. And then that's how I started the low tox talks and started really you know, writing, blogging a lot about mold and put together with a building biologist, a four step mold protocol that people can use and follow. So finding the source of the mold, then remediating the area, then creating an environment where the mold doesn't come back and then detoxifying your body. Mm. Okay, so it's all those three steps, and it's just like a lot of it is just maintaining and maintaining and maintaining. Mm. You know, so if you live in Sydney, I say you've got to have dehumidifiers, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. You know, otherwise it just it came back. Did right? you have to move out of the house? No, Dad's advice was move or fix it. So I lived in the house, so I decided to fix it. So we had to you know install drainage and then mm. you know create an environment where it just, we have to maintain it to the point where it just doesn't you know it won't come back and constantly be vigilant and check mm. it and empty the dehumidifier every day. Five liters of water it accumulates. That's how humid Sydney is. Some yeah. months worse than others. Um, I'm and so selfishly from, thinking, I live mostly in Bali as well, and it's that just, I'm in the jungle. Yes. <laughs> it's like Bali yeah. is ridden with mold. Yeah. We don't but even have cupboards because yeah, no, it's about the environment mm. that is it, well ventilated because we're not yes. really designed to live in kind of houses. Yeah. So it really comes down to the style of the house and you know how well ventilated it is. Yeah. Um, so I realised that there were all these people. Um, living in moldy conditions mm. and it explained so many of the health conditions that people were suffering um, was due to mold so I felt mm. like oh god I can really add value to people's lives and the headaches and the rashes and the mm. this and the that the when that yeah the chesty coughs when they arrested the mold problem or removed mm. themselves from that those you know issues miraculously disappeared mm. yeah so there is a lot of work that you know we're doing in that area yeah, and you know I so say important. to people um, or you know, before you buy a house, don't worry about the building inspections. They're not really worth the best space no. they're written on. Get building a building biologist to come in, and that. one of the things they do will be checking for mold, yes. along with electromagnetic Everything. radiation yes. and things like that. That's really the most important thing when before you buy a house. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we were really lucky. We don't have the mold gene, so when we removed ourselves from the mold within two weeks. Uh, all our you know condi- symptoms disappeared so mm-hmm. we were really lucky in that regard so it didn't really develop into SIRS chronic inflammatory response syndrome mm-hmm. a right. lot of people though they have the mold gene it develops mm-hmm. into SIRS they might have MTHFR gene mutation mm-hmm. which means they can't detoxify mm-hmm. so I say to people you know if you think that you're living in a moldy house you know, just get it checked out don't continue you know living with it Totally. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we need to raise awareness, and I do feel like some people think that that's a bit fringe. They think it's woo woo. They think yeah. you know. I've had conversations with clients, and they are saying, "No, I don't. I don't really believe that." You know, so right, I think, right, yeah. yeah I think, yeah. and perhaps because it's in WA, but I think the more you know that people share experiences mm. like you are, the more yeah. it will you know become more mainstream. And it kind yeah. of comes into the same bucket as EMF, like people saying, mm. "Yes, believe exactly." That that's having an effect on my health. Like, yes, and some people are more sensitive than others to mm. EMF as well. So it's, mm. it's very similar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but mold is something that yeah, it is toxic to everyone, and it's mm. not like. 
a virus that will boost your immune system. It's like a little bit's going to make me stronger. It's not like there's no benefit to it. No. You know? Yeah. So the sooner you can get it out of your system and detoxify and remove yourself from situation, fix the house or leave, the better. Yeah. And it is scary. Like people, it is real. People who have gone through it, you know, including myself, will tell you it's yeah, not hippie woo woo. Like this yeah. is a real thing. Absolutely. You know, remove yourself from the situation and see how you feel. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. EM, EMF is a bit different because it's hard to remove yourself from the situation because it's around it's us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost impossible yeah. unless you go off grid. Exactly. You know, it is impossible. <laughs> but yeah. I think that is probably becoming for me almost like the number one concern emf yeah, yeah. number one health concern I yeah agree. because it's so Which ubiquitous in the jungle yeah. in the moldy jungle <laughs> <laughs> and we and we take steps to try and reduce our exposure yes. to it yeah um you know things like you know having your phone on airplane mode most of the yeah. time turning the wi-fi off at night dirty electricity yeah filters, getting yeah all, all that, that getting the uh, building biologists to come in um, and some people take it to more, you know, yes. to further like sleeping in kind or of beds. That, exactly. Yeah. 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 And a lot of building buyers just say that all the, you know, the defender shields and all the other things don't really I work. Know. And I spent thousands of dollars yes, on those. I know. Um, but we're surrounded yeah, by, by it. You know, I look yeah. at my neighbors and I know yeah. for sure mm-hmm. that their yeah. Wi Fi's are on all night. I can hear that neighbor on that side playing Fortnite all night. Yeah. Teenage son, devastating. Yeah. You know, I mean, surely that's having an yeah. impact on my house, or yeah. whether my Wi-Fi is on or yeah. not. Yeah. So, but is. you can only do what you can do in exactly. your home. You know, so having your phone on airplane mode, turning the Wi-Fi turning off the at Wi-Fi night, off. using the speakerphone when you're having things yeah. plugged in. Yeah, and I actually, you know, took the step a few months ago and went old school and got my laptop hardwired. Yes, oh, and so I've got the Wi-Fi turned off on my laptop. I've got all hardwired, yes. old school, and then yes. I'm going to turn the Wi-Fi on if I you know have to use it or print something out yeah yeah less wireless devices is really good yeah yeah Yeah. so a a question that is i suppose really big for me and my clients Mm. is all about or particularly for my clients and i think amanda also receives a lot of these is about healthy parenthood Mm. so obviously one of the biggest objections that a lot of I, i suppose a lot of health coaches and health professionals do get is oh you know it's really hard to transition Mm -hmm. my children onto these healthy foods and you know I know that some of your children or maybe both of them were quite young when you did Mm. transition but I know it's something that you work with and it's something that you've definitely created Mm. in your home so um, I suppose what can you share around Mm. um, providing advice for parents about transitioning their children once Mm. they've started to transition themselves? Mm. Yeah. So getting onto it sooner rather than later is, you know, it's it's easier to get a two-year-old to eat something, you know, to eat bone broth and sauerkraut and organ meats than a 14-year-old. So the sooner you can get onto (laughs) it and like the first seven years of life they're the most plastic and fluid so that's where if you've got the luxury of doing it in in those formative years that's the best comes down to education i think just really educate be a role model teach your children to read the labels on things teach them the effect that you know what i call the three main buckets of dietary toxins have on their body the industrial seed oils the you know refined gluten and refined sugars have on their body um yeah lead by example be the role model um and also know that you know healthy swaps is the name of the game so my whole you know treats line all came up because i wanted to provide something to my children so i've got this saying that it's not about deprivation it's about healthy swaps Mm. so it's not about depriving them of 
the things that they love. It's just about you know, can healthy swapping them into nutrient dense versions. You know, so I said to my kids, if you want to have chocolate, let's eat the best quality chocolate you can mm. have. And they'll be like, Oh mum, I really want to eat, you know, this carob bear. And I'm like, look at the ingredients, let's go home and invent one. So, you know, the carrot that's how carrot bears were invented. That's how, you know, our power bars were the muesli bar substitute, you know. So that's how it all came about. And, you know, I'm going to birthday parties, little tricks like you know, filling them up on really good food beforehand and then steering them towards, um, you know, the fruit platter as opposed to the fluorescent blue icing on the cake and things like that. But then also knowing that you can't control everything. And then when they go to school in particular, you're not there 100% of the time. They're going to be offered things that you wouldn't even classify as food let alone want them to eat okay so you can't control everything and you just have to trust that hopefully they'll make good choices so often my parting words to them are please make good choices and look they probably won't make good choices Mm. all the time because they're children and they're inquisitive and they so desperately want to fit in Mm. because part of our DNA is being in a tribe and not wanting to be different because being different Mm. to our ancient DNA means being vulnerable Mm. and being you know eaten and attacked so we want to be part of the tribe we want to feel connected and, and the same so they're going to want to eat that and you know all I say to them is after you eat it tap into your body how do you feel yeah so often when they come back from their dad's place, um, they will often come back feeling sick. And I go, great, good, tap into that. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Good you feedback know? from the body. So exactly, feedback from the body. And also knowing that you know, if they end up, and my, this is what happened to my son, he ended up getting himself into a situation where, unbeknownst to me, he was going out, you know, during school hours, you know, to and from school or whenever when I wasn't there and eating a lot of junk food and just created... Um, massive gut dysbiosis and 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 that was for me even though I was devastated and it had devastating consequences to his digestive and mental health I actually said to him okay this is a great learning experience look at what's happened to you by feeding that uh, pathogenic bacteria it's got out of control it's now 3,000 times what it's supposed to be and now look at what we have to do so like let this you know some kids learn the hard way yeah whereas my daughter will kind of sort of understand and not go down not play with fire because she's told by her parents that that's bad whereas my son will just play with the fire and it's like oh, that's okay so then for me it's been this real journey of letting go and one of my favorite mantras is surrender is the greatest meditation and i think the universe taught me that because i was such a control freak like totally controlled you know from a young age from my kids young age what they were eating because i just knew i just wanted to give them the best healthiest start to life and i knew that the food they ate profoundly impacted their genetic expression Mm -hmm. so as a mother you know being protective i wanted them to have the best genetic start to life you know Mm -hmm. so it you know as much as it pained me to see them eat crap when they're at their dad's or at a friend's place or you know go out and buy stuff from you know 7-eleven or whatever i also had to accept that that was the universe teaching me that um it was a lesson in letting go and a lesson in well that is their journey Mm -hmm. and if if this is Mm -hmm. his journey to go down that path then that's all I can do. And I just hope and trust that maybe one day he will hopefully embrace what I've taught him. And if he doesn't, then that's still his journey. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because if we get to the point where we are so stressed about it and then then our children pick up on that stress and we're making them so stressed about it, what I've learned is that stress is more toxic than the most toxic food. So there's no point being so meticulous with what you eat if you are then creating this stressful environment for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, letting go and surrendering and also accepting life's not perfect. You know, when we go out or on holidays, it's not going to be, you know. So I just say, look, make your house the high watermark and then, mm-hmm. you know, try and soften around the edges where you can. Like we always, you know, make the best choices we can in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then, and then, then letting go of the rest. Yes. And if you've made a decision when you're out and about to eat something you otherwise ordinarily wouldn't eat, then just accept it and enjoy it. Yes. Because I just also think that, you know, there's a Chinese proverb that, you know, something, you know, can be um, medicine if it's eaten with the right intention and poison if it's not. So if you've made the decision to eat it, then just enjoy it and embrace it. Yeah. Because the you know the you know the fulfillment that you'll get, and the enjoyment that you'll get sharing maybe a chocolate cake and a glass of wine with a friend in a social setting, yeah. you know that emotional nourishment is going to you know provide you with more goodness than stressing over it. Especially totally. if you can let go of that. If stress, you can let go of it, yeah. if you're attached to that yeah. stress, you may as well yeah. not eat it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Another question that has just come to me. Um, but I think it will be really interesting for our listeners as well is I see a lot of young women with hormonal imbalances and then women in their fertile years that are uh, suffering with infertility. And I see a lot of the leaning towards plant-based and a lot of that vegetarian and in some cases vegan. Um, Where would you start? Obviously there's like all of these um, idealistic sort of principle-based I believe, you know, misinformation, Mm. you know, that's, it's a whole machine really that's driving these trends and ultimately it ends Mm. in the demise of our health, particularly Mm. for females. Um, You know, what are your thoughts Mm. on on transitioning away from that or, you know, what sort of guidance do you use? Yeah, so I know plant-based diets or vegan diets for insurance are becoming more and more trendy at the moment and there's, you know, social media influencers as well that are really pushing that Um, and, you know, influencing very young, impressionable girls. They've got to be very careful. So, So I feel I can also speak from personal experience here. So it's not just, you know, looking at our evolutionary biology and the science, but also I went down that path because I thought it was healthy. Whereas we've got to look at there are certain biological norms that require us to eat certain foods and drink certain things and move in a certain way and sleep in in a certain rhythm. So there are certain biological norms that require us to eat certain things. And we look to our evolutionary biology to determine what they are as backed by science. And our genes were set 2.6 million years ago during the Ice Age or the Paleolithic period. And our genes have not changed much, if at all, since. And what were our hunter-gatherer ancestors eating? Whatever was in their natural environment, which included animals and animal products, you know, particularly the bones, the fat and the organs of the animal. They were the most highly prized part of the animal. So whether you like it or not, whether it offends you or not, that is what we have biologically evolved to eat. An omnivorous, nutrient-dense, whole foods diet okay so when we depart from that when we you know there'll become a mismatch between our biology our dna and what we are and our lifestyle choices the food that we're eating and that mismatch is what causes illness and disease so Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm here on this planet in this lifetime to educate people on the mismatch and just try and reduce it so we're not we won't get the full gamut of 
optimal nutrients and nutrient saturation. It's extremely difficult, if not impossible, on a vegetarian diet. I tried it and I was the most diligent vegetarian I knew. Always combined the grains with the legumes and they were all pre-soaked and combined them together. It was all organic and it still wasn't enough. My body was still so demineralized. It's really, really hard to get the iron and the vitamin A um, and the B group vitamins. And you know, vitamin A in particular, what many people don't know, particularly those who are trying to have a baby or pregnant is vitamin A is the concept master of fetal development. Mm -hmm. It is the vitamin that that determines the breadth of a baby's face, the width of the dental arch, Mm -hmm. whether they're gonna have perfectly aligned teeth or not, Mm -hmm. you know, and including their vision and things like that. So this was really born out in my two children. So I've got a vegetarian baby up until 22 months, say two years, and then my Western A price baby. So the same genes, they've got the same parents, different epigenetics, different diet. So Mm -hmm. my son, my firstborn, the vegetarian baby, was born with a very narrow face, sunken midsection. He needs $10,000 of dental work does not have the best teeth crowding of the mouth you know just emotionally not as resilient my daughter came out with a wide face broad dental arch perfectly aligned teeth okay emotionally resilient so for me when I saw this I just went, I have to share my story with the world. It was incumbent upon me. Mm. I felt I couldn't let women think that a plant-based diet was more healthy. Now, obviously, it all comes down to source and processing of the meat. So what people have got to understand, see a lot of people go into vegetarian diet because they think that it's more ethical. And when it comes to industrial feedlot and farmed fish, I'm right there with them protesting against that. Okay, but not all animal products are the same. Not all red meat's the same. Not all fish is grown, you know, the Mm. same. So it comes down to source and processing. And I educate people. There's a world of difference between industrial feedlot and then your beautiful organic or biodynamic farms where the animals are reared in accordance with the laws of nature, eating what they're designed to eat, which is, you know, in the case of ruminant animals, it's grass and grass only. In the case of, um, you know, pigs and poultry, it's, you know, pasture, outside in sunshine, on pasture, eating what they're designed to eat. In the case of fish being wild, wild and not farmed okay so when animals are reared in accordance with the laws of nature their meat has a high micronutrient content it's a more ethical way of farming because it's unethical you could say to feed an animal something it's not designed to eat Mm. it's environmentally sustainable okay and the meat just tastes better because nutrients are precisely what gives food its flavor Mm. okay so for those reasons we always want to opt for pastured or wild meat so not all meat is the same so it's educating people on the source and processing of it and then just getting them to really check in with their body how do you feel a lot of people initially feel better on a vegetarian diet purely because they're just cutting out a lot of the toxic crap Mm, yeah so you know i went from a conventional diet of you know eating margarine and you know big macs and all of that stuff and you know coca-cola and all that to a vegetarian diet so of course at first I was feeling better because I'm eating more plant Mm. matter. I'm getting rid of all the dietary toxins. But then your health over time, it's not sustainable. It starts unraveling. And when you're on a vegetarian diet, you can't help but eat more grains. And we are not biologically designed to eat 
much if any grains. The agricultural revolution was only born 10,000 years ago, which is a tiny blip on the time scale of human evolution. Okay, our genes were set 2.6 million years ago on a you know a an omnivorous diet without grains. So I'm not saying don't ever eat grains, but just be aware that we're not designed to eat large amounts of them. And if you do, try not for the gluten-free ones and make sure they're properly prepared by soaking, sprouting, and fermenting or sourdough. Um, so it's a bit of a labor of love to prepare it or seek it out. Um, and you know, so that's that's where the, these vegetarian or plant-based diets come unraveled is they're grain-based, they're too low in fat, there's not enough you know, animal fats in there that provide the vitamin A, D, and K, um, you know, fat-soluble vitamins and minerals, um, and they just they don't saturate your nutrients with as much, um, saturate yourselves with as much nutrients as an omnivorous diet. So it's just gonna be a lot harder. And Plus you know, the processed soy. Yeah, and the processed soy, things like that. And a lot of people, you know, think that it's better for the environment, but in fact, this soy is genetically modified, mm-hmm. the corn's genetically modified, a lot of monocropping, it's actually raping the it's environment bad. more exactly. uh, than your beautiful little organic farm that's raising poly farm or regenerative farming, mm. you know, that is raising chickens and cows and pigs and, you know, roses and onions mm. and, you know, a, a multitude <laughs> of things. Crops yeah. And, yeah. Helping the yeah. soil. Helping the soil. the soil. Yeah, absolutely. It's the microbiome of the yeah. earth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that. I always, we're both we're yeah. both extremely passionate about um, fertility particularly and we love Western A. Price's work around that as yeah. well. So it's beautiful to hear it coming from you as well and yeah. especially yeah. anecdotally. Yeah, personal yeah. experience. The best. And it's just you feel more satiated as well oh, when you eat, you know, an omnivorous diet rich yeah. in animal fats. You're not just constantly mm-hmm. eating cardboard like substances and going back for more and more and more every few hours because yes. you don't feel satiated and full. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. I feel like my little boy's a little Western A baby too. Totally. He's got the beautiful round yeah. face and the straight teeth. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then that, yeah, the evidence speaks for itself. And, yeah. you know, always just yeah. like Sally Fallon talks about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much wisdom in um, ancestral diets. You know, mm. these... The way they ate was born out of a desire to keep that, you know, the survival of the tribe. It was the survival of the fittest. There wasn't Mm -hmm. room, any room for anybody to be born with any, you know, issues like nowadays because that would be a liability on the tribe. So Mm. through trial and error over millennia, they discovered that the best foods to eat were, you know, things like the wild fish and the wild animals. And of course, plant matter was important too. But, you know, the potent fertility foods are things like your organ meats, your wild fish roe, you know, the fat on the meat, you know, the bones and bone broth and bone marrow. Raw milk. Yeah, mm. raw milk. Yeah. The very mm. things that we're told not to eat during yeah, <laughs> pregnancy. Like, you know. Basically everything yeah, we're yeah. told not to yeah. eat during yeah. pregnancy. Turn it upside down. Oh. Eat the oysters. Have the raw milk. You know. exactly. Have the fish roe. Exactly. Have the pate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, one last question. Um, obviously, you've got a lot going on. You've got yeah. multiple businesses. You've yeah. got your kids. You're making yeah. food from scratch. And we were curious to know, do you have a spiritual practice or a self-care sort of practice that you feel supports you? Yeah, really great question. So for me, self-care really is, it's not so much about 
you know, bubble baths and having your nails done. It's about really understanding that health is multifactorial and dialing in those eight foundations of health and really paying attention to each one and which one is being neglected. So I never, ever compromise on the diets and nutrition and hydration. That is a form of self-care, like actually making nourishing meals for yourself Mm. two or three times a day or however, you know, often you eat. That is my form of self-care. Going to bed early, rising with the sun, that is a form of self-care. Moving your body, um, that is a form of self-care. So all those foundations of health we spoke about before, you know, spending time with friends and feeling, you know, that you've got a strong sense of purpose with what you're doing in your life, you know, is a form of self-care. Being out in nature is a form of self-care. So for me, my happy place is the ocean. So I try every day to, as much as I can, get outside um, to Bronte Beach, which is in my local beach, walking distance. Um, I take my foam roller, um, do some, you know, fascia release there, Um, my yoga mat, do some yoga stretches, um, do a little bit of cardio, like the seven-minute workout, go for, you know, walks up and down on the soft sand, you know, always bump into people I know, have a chat. So for me... um, for me, that is a spiritual practice, like just, you know, dialing in those eight foundations of health um, and really also acknowledging that, you know, life before kids was a little bit different where, you know, you had a lot more free time and you used to go on, you know, yoga retreats to Nepal and, you know, do meditation practices and 10 hours of yoga a week. And then after you have kids, it's like, oh my God, you realize I don't have time to have a shower, let alone meditate. Like, And then I read a great book called uh, Buddhism for Mothers and she said, your spiritual practice or your meditation is just simply um, a acknowledgement of being present in each present moment so Mm. whether you're changing the nappy or washing Mm. the dishes as long as breastfeeding as long as you're really present in that moment as much as you can because our minds obviously will have a tendency to you know be in the past or the or the future if you can bring yourself back to the present moment and really be present in this so if you're washing um, your hands you know really acknowledging the feel of you know the temperature of the water on your hands and how the soap feels and you know really being present in the moment that is in and of itself a spiritual practice mm, so beautiful. trying to come come back to that yeah amazing thank you so much for spending this time with us today thank you can you share with us where our audience can find you yes so my website is staranisorganic.com i also have social media so my instagram facebook and twitter is staranisorganic um, I love sharing what I know, so drop in and say hi. And also, you know, physical store is Broth Bar and Larder, which is 49 Belgrave Street, Bronte. So that's my bricks and mortar store, which is the home of Star and East Organic Whole Foods. Awesome. Amazing. And we'll have everything linked down below as well. Yes, everything will be in the show notes. But thank you so much my for pleasure. spending this time with us. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback we love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.